Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Thanks for joining in for concept 13. Today's concept is mental health, and I'm here with my friend Veronica Timbers. Hey, Veronica. Hey. Hey. So Veronica and her family, uh, friends with Kimberly and I and our, our kids, and uh, so as a friend and also just, I, I just want to be a student of yours for the next half hour or so because there's so much I, 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 I care about mental health, but I don't know very much about the words uh, to use and how, in, in ways that I need to pursue mental health as well as ways that I can be there for other people pursuing mental health. So let me just start with, for people who don't know you, you're licensed clinical social worker with a master's degree in social work, also working towards a master's degree, master's of divinity and pursuing becoming an ordained minister, right? Yes. And so, you know, high, I think highly qualified for this conversation. And so uh, let me just start with this. Why is this such an important issue? Why is mental health important? Well, before I got into mental health and we're talking about present day, we're seeing mental health and mental illness increase. Um, and there are so many people that have theories about why that's happening, mm -hmm. um, why we're seeing more folks that are dealing with issues. Um, part of that is just stigma has been lifted. Right. Um, but then there are lots of other issues that we talk about in our field for what that is. But for me, why it was important is because I've always, through a theological lens, seen us as moving closer to God, which includes sanctification in the sense of becoming more like Christ and things like that. And that also we have a God that heals. And so we all have wounds. We all have things that we've been through. We've all realized that life isn't exactly the way that we expected it. And to come into wholeness of um, loving God, loving neighbor, neighbor with all our heart, mind, soul, everything, for me that means healing our emotional selves as well. So is that what we mean I thought we could try to define this. What do we mean when we talk about mental health? Or what do you mean? Is it is it wholeness? So mental health and is a broad spectrum. Um, and to me, so there's mental health, there's behavioral health, and there's what I like to call social, relational health, and emotional health. And technically, if you go see a counselor or you're talking about mental health, you're talking about the behavioral, the, mm. the social interactions that you have with people, the okay. emotional. So it's not just, I've got a mental health issue or I've got this tendency to worry. There are all these things. I tend to have this pattern of interacting with people that I don't like. That's a behavioral health or social sort of health issue that counseling can benefit. Uh -huh. So there's this broad range of what mental health is. And I like to sometimes compare it to a medical model of we all have physical health Right. But then we also have physical disease. So we all go for, you know, to the doctor once a year we go see, you know, a general practitioner usually for just to check our health, get some labs done, find out if we're okay. But then we also go to the doctor if we have strep throat or if we're struggling with high cholesterol or whatever. So that leads me to one of the things that I, I would love to learn is how can I properly use the phrase mental health as a is a different phrase than mental illness. Yeah, so it's all in one spectrum. Mental illness is at the far end of the spectrum, which again, looking at the medical model would be like the disease or the disorders um, that people don't 
cause to happen to themselves most of the time. It comes yeah. from either trauma or different chemi- body chemistry kind of thing, right. which is the same as medical issues. And then we have this general health where you and I maybe need to exercise more or drink less caffeine. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with mental health. Of uh, Mental health is our general well-being. Okay. And so I just like I was saying, we might need to exercise more. Well, I might need to take more time to rest. And that might yeah. be the emotional mental health that I need to talk about. So, in fact, we can all talk about mental health because we're all struggling and we could do better about taking care of our mental, emotional, and social well-being. So, mental health is maintaining and taking care of our mental health or our well-being. Yeah. It's maintaining. It's making sure that we're in a place of health. But then illness is those other... It's, it's something that happened to us out of our control uh, whether that be externally or whether that be something internal, biological or chemical, it's it's something that's happened to us, like like a disease, and so uh, I, I think that it'd be important and beneficial for us to talk about how faith community, whether it be a community, a specific community like a church family, or just the faith community at large, or even just individual person of faith, can approach this as a way of being in harmony with the medical community. I don't even know if that's the right term for this, but how can someone, just an individual or a community of people coming from a faith perspective, like you said, God and wholeness and sanctification, how can we partner with the medical community and the social working community, counseling community, when when there's other terms that are being used that are medical terms that maybe some of us don't understand? How can we like be in this together for the sake of mental health. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think it helps if all of us sort of start to pay attention to our mental, social, behavioral yeah. health and actually are working on those things actively, just like yeah. we would our physical health. If we decide to drop caffeine, we might go through some different things to help that. If we were that intentional, all of us, with some of that stuff, it would help just when other people have maybe bigger things to bring up because we would already be learning some of the skills, whether that means reading a book, seeing a counselor, listening to a podcast, actually actively intentionally making some changes. Then when other folks are saying, I'm dealing with this, we don't shut down because either we don't understand it or we don't know what it is or because we can't ask and help people through work that we haven't done. Yeah. Um, and so many times if we haven't done work, we're holding on to things that closes us off and we're not even open enough to absorb somebody else's struggles, issues, um, needs, those kinds of things. And I just was talking to somebody yesterday about, uh, they had some issues with just church in general. They'd gotten burned by things and they, the thing that they finally got down to was that they didn't feel like the faith community is open and vulnerable vulnerable about their issues, about their mm-hmm. junk, I think is the word they use. But so this speaks to that, why it's important for the faith community, why people who follow God, who believe in God, to be open and vulnerable about, uh, vulnerable about their own mental health. But I guess it's one thing to just say, oh yeah, I've just been struggling with this lately. But what does it even mean to pursue mental health? I mean, you've used a couple of examples like maybe I should cut back on this or maybe I should yeah. but like what does that really mean yeah so 
it can mean a lot of things for different people, but maybe it's better for me to use like a personal example. Okay. Um, so for me, I tend to be high energy, go, go, go. Um, you could say I have problems saying no to things, but I actually don't. I just like to be busy. But that busyness sometimes can either be part of who I am, because I am high energy, but it, it can also be a cover to not deal with other stuff. Because yeah. if I'm busy, I don't need to ask myself hard questions like, shoot, should I have yelled at my kids the way that I did this morning yeah. when we were late for school? Probably not. That was on me, not them. Mm. And I don't want to think about that. So if I can keep moving, yeah, I don't yeah. have to think about it. So then it's the question of, well, two questions pop up. How do I build in rest and time to not have, like not be running around and overextending myself? But then the, the other big question, that this is where a counselor can sometimes help or a wise um, person or a yeah. pastoral person to ask the question of, well, what does it mean if you yelled at your kids? Is, is that a place of shame because I haven't fulfilled some mom yeah. ideal that I have? Yeah, yeah. Or is that because somebody yelled at me once like that and now I'm watching myself do mm -hmm. it? And what is that doing in my soul that I'm not paying attention to? And it's about being able to have either ask ourselves those questions or have somebody point those questions out of what is the root cause of this? And sometimes too, like if I yell at my kids, the root cause is I wanted them to be perfect and they're not. <laughs> and neither am I. <laughs> and am I holding up this ideal yeah. for my kids? So it's asking ourselves these really deep questions about what is the root cause yeah. of some of that so some, stuff. And then someone else can help you with that discovery. Right. Yeah. So... I get as as a the role that I'm in as a title of pastor, sometimes maybe just my willingness to be with people and my availability. There's um, I don't think anybody puts like a false expectation on me. Maybe it's maybe an expectation I put on myself, but it's sort of like, oh, well, he's a pastor. That's kind of like a counselor. I'm going through this stuff and I'll talk to him and I am willing to talk. Uh, listen, and I do, you know, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. I believe that God can be actively involved in those conversations, but I'm not a trained counselor. I'm not a therapist. I don't have a, a my, my master's degree is in biblical studies. It's not in therapy. <clears throat> and I, and I want to learn more about walking with people in that, but I'm, I'm not actively pursuing getting a degree in, in what you have. How do I, do, do I just say, Hey, I'm willing to sit, but I'm not a counselor. Let me point to point you to a counselor. Do I do I get more educated unofficially? You know, Google yeah. education, and then but then I don't really know what I'm talking about. I just like think I do. What do I do? Um, first of all, I can say that I've seen great healing and therapy come from like small groups or yeah. places in the church where people can be together and get to that vulnerable place together. Um, because hearing somebody else deal with it or ask the questions, we start to realize like, oh, you're asking the same questions I am. Yeah. They might come from a different root cause, um, but we're stuck on the same thing. And me hearing how you're dealing with it or even just the validation that you're dealing with it too is helpful. So I think there needs to continue to be places like faith circles where there aren't professionals, but it's just humans coming together and being broken together. Yes. That is one place that all faith communities can do. Um, and that also means us being willing to be broken together. Oh, like, yeah. not coming But how together. do we know, or how do I know, 
when it needs to be the next step for me or for someone else other than just because people come in my office and they share and then I go how do you feel about that and then they answer and it gets and then I go well it sounds like something's up with you and your dad and then they cry and then at the end of it they're like thank you so much but I sometimes I'm like they need they need someone who's trained for this not just someone who's willing to be here with them how do I know when I make that transition when it's needed or is it just everyone should do that? Well, everyone should do it. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a counselor, so that's where I you know, think and they, everyone should do it. And maybe that's part of the stigma, right, that needs to yeah. change is no shame. It's actually a pursuit of mental health to right. go to a counselor as opposed to you must be sick. Right. So I've gone to a therapist for different periods of my life for different reasons. But I also have one, you know, on call that I'm used to going to that every once in a while I'm like, Uh, the past couple weeks I've been noticing some things or something big shifted in my life. I should probably just go clean house and do, do a checkup almost of like, um, and because I've done my work beforehand, that happens a lot quicker. What does that mean? You've done your work before because I've gone through seasons of digging up some of that more difficult stuff. When I have something new arrive, it's like I've done my work. So I don't need to go to, you know, three months of or six months of therapy to, deal with one small blip on the screen I'm noticing. But I can go in and check in, have some outside perspective to ask me the questions and set me back in the right direction. So I do think everyone should do it. At the same time, I also think that being validated, being heard, um, being accepted can do wonders, even for somebody that might have bigger issues, such as like the example you gave, there seems to be something with you and your dad. That could be, I mean, you could unload probably layers of stuff, but the person might not need all those layers. They might just need to have somebody pointed out, realize they're validated in that. And then, um, this is where I put myself out of a job of saying, there are so many books, self-help, um, that really we call, in my field, we call it psychoeducation. There are sources of psychoeducation that we can use that aren't necessarily counselors that can coincide with counselors Mm -hmm. um, and going to therapy, or it can be your own work of exploration and digging up and doing the work. And that, like I said, I think we all need to be in the realm of digging something up. Well, that sounds, (laughs) if if you compare, if parallel the phrase mental health with physical health, it's, yeah, you should go to the doctor for a checkup, yeah. You should go to the doctor if you're sick, yeah. But you should also take care of yourself. Every right? day. <laughs> right, and so it's a, you don't only take care of yourself. You don't only go to the doctor for a checkup. You don't only go to the doctor when you're sick. It's all of that. Mm-hmm. And so that makes sense to me. Like maybe it's okay to buy a couple books and learn how to do some some work within. Maybe that would be helpful among my friends, among it, even in my you know job. And also there's more work to be done. That's really helpful. So talk a little bit about a balance of, and I've, let me premise it with, over the years in ministry, I've heard a big spectrum of how someone would answer this, even to the point of like major disagreement, but how can there be a balance and a healthy balance of faith, official counseling, and medicine? Yeah. So again, when you look at that spectrum we talked about in the beginning, that yeah. mental illness side of things often really benefits from medication. And some people will need medication for the rest of their life. I do think some people have bought into the idea that they're going to need it for the rest of their life 
and they probably could get to a place where they don't. Um, but there is what we call serious mental illness, and those folks need it. Um, even if you're doing your work, you can do your work every day, yeah. all day, and yeah, you still like, need that because like the body chemistry is off. I exercise every day, but I have this condition yeah. and I need medicine for it. I have it. diabetes, nothing. I exercise, yeah. I eat well, yeah. but I still need my insulin. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, or I still need my inhaler if it's asthma. Sure. There are those things. Um, I also think there are times where some of us may not have or didn't start out with the biological component. Sometimes we think of it as a switch in the brain where you can start getting depressed because of life situations and things, but then suddenly the, the brain switches and it does become a more biological thing. Wow. And medicine can help to lower the symptoms so that you can onboard coping skills, you can talk about some of the root causes of the issues, you can get to the heart of the matter, and then slowly titrate off that medicine because now you yeah. have the skills to do it. So medicine can also be used for those of us that might be in the more moderate level of mental health need, but we're too much in the thick of it to be able to even have the motivation, the energy, the emotional capacity to say, now I'm going to do deep breathing. Because if I'm laying in bed and can't get out of bed because I'm depressed, I'm wondering, you know, maybe yeah. I'm 40 in a midlife crisis and I'm wondering what I did with all my 40 years. Yeah. And now you're like, deep breathe? Oh, heck no, I'm not deep not breathing. Yeah. You know, so you need yeah, that, that makes sometimes sense. I mean, I've definitely there. had moments where I have a headache. I'm like, well, ideally, <laughs> I would be drinking more water and I wouldn't have a headache. In this moment, I will be taking ibuprofen. <laughs> but that doesn't right. mean that I think that I will forever, every four to six hours for the rest of my life. But then someone else, it might just be, no, they will be. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, something about their body requires that. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Um, you, you mentioned faith circles, like groups of people. Can you maybe give some advice on just practical steps of how, like someone's listening and they're like, I want to be more open and vulnerable. I want to talk about mental health with my friends. I want my, you know, friend group or some people just say like, you know, if it's an official churchy thing like Sunday school class or a small mm -hmm. group Bible study, the people that I'm close with that I spend time with, I want to pursue mental health together, integrate it with my faith. Any practical tips? How do you do that? Yeah, so I can give some resources, which might be a helpful place to yeah. start. Um, but... I also think that there are just some very practical things we can do in our communication Okay. that is helpful. As Methodist as it sounds, John Wesley used to start every Bible study with, how is it with your soul? And that can get, if you ask it at every Bible study, it can get shallow too. You can say good, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, it, but where are there spheres in our world right now? Mm. Like there aren't many where we're at coming together and asking each other, how is it with your soul? Yeah. So whether we're asking that question or not, if we approach coming together yeah. as this Something is our like chance yeah. to have that space and I'm That's not going to let you out of it. Yeah. So if I notice you're quiet today, I'm going to go ahead and say, Jason, you're quiet today. What's up? So or it needs to be off. a mutually agreed upon thing. To some extent, but I think you can do this like, Again, I'm a therapist, so I try not to do therapy with friends, but I think it's just good communication. When I see yeah. that someone's off, to call them on it. You're yeah. off. You seem, is everything okay? 
um, somebody says something like, oh, you know, yeah, my mom died. We were cleaning out our house. It was a big family ordeal, whatever. And then it's like, well, sounds like you're, yeah. that was actually sort of upsetting. Yeah. Um, or I would be really upset at that situation. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. We don't go to that second question. Yeah. And I don't, sometimes that's because we've closed off and we're uncomfortable because if we ask that and the person starts crying or is like, yeah, and then they're ready to dump, we're not ready to receive. And maybe not ready to also share. Right. About our, maybe we don't ask about how someone's truly doing because we don't want to admit how we're truly doing, right? Right. But I also think that we're just scared to ask the question. Yeah. Are we going to ask it wrong? Yeah. What if they say, no, why are you being weird today? <laughs> like, don't ask me serious questions. You don't ask me serious questions. And, um, I, and I have the, those feelings where sometimes, depending on who I'm talking to and the, their situation in life, I, I sometimes do get the feeling that I'm going to accidentally word it wrong. I'm going to say the phrase wrong. But I, again, this comes back to, I guess, the way I approach faith and God. It's like, if my heart's in the right place, I think it's going to be okay. And to some degree, I think that's true. But mm -hmm. I also would love to use the right words. Yeah. So what kind of words do we, we want to say? Maybe what kind of words do we want to avoid? <laughs> well, in therapy, we call it reflecting. So if you just okay. reflect what you're seeing or what they're saying, but do it in a slightly different way, it's it. pretty amazing what comes out of it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it sounds like you're really angry about that. Yeah. When all they said is... Gosh, my brother drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're really angry about that. <laughs> you're just naming what you saw and yeah. heard. And then they're like, yes, he always, yeah. and suddenly the rest of it comes. So reflect. Reflecting okay. what you notice bodily, you know, what they're saying. And then as you practice doing that, you can get more refined in how you do it. Um, and it's not therapy. It, to me, that's being a good friend, a good person, a caring soul. Also, not every conversation has to be deep. That can be annoying yeah. too. Like sometimes I'm like, I've got 30 seconds to get my coffee, please. I don't yeah. have time for the deep stuff. <laughs> How's your soul? <laughs> but I'm glad that you asked. Can I get back to you? Uh -huh. um, so it's timing as well. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of those situations. Maybe not at the grocery store with somebody holding like a whole bunch of stuff and their kids are tugging on them. How's yeah. your soul? Yeah. And I also think if we can pause for a couple minutes of the day and say, who do we know that had something going on this week, yeah. good or bad, send them a text. Hey, I know that you had that work thing going on. How did it go? Even if it's three days later, it's amazing for the person to receive that. Yeah. But suddenly also for that person to be like, it went really well or it didn't go so well. But, mm -hmm. you know. And that's where it comes back to what I said earlier about willingness and maybe time to spend with people. For me to just say to someone, I remember that you had this thing happen. How did it go? That is as much of a counselor as I can be. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's still a beautiful thing um, to do that. And I think there are a lot of people in life that don't feel like they're truly seen. And if someone sees them, mm -hmm. that is really helpful and healing. Obviously, in some instances, there needs to be much more unpacked there. Um, yeah. But it's still helpful. So how about... Uh, more psychoeducation talk resources. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So psychoeducation is my favorite thing because it doesn't require that you go to counseling, but it does require that you intentionally seek out resources and that could come from a counselor. Yeah. Um, it is right now. And the resources <laughs> can be anything. Uh -huh. I think Henry Nowen is a great resource. Um, he's a theologian that actually had his own mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that he writes is both theologically beautiful 
but it'll get to you as He's far as asking favorites. some deep questions. It's unreal reading him. Um, I forget what's the one that where he breaks it down to like blessed, broken. Um, I, I don't remember the that. titles of. Is the way of the heart. <laughs> Reaching out is another about one. About the name of Jesus. Yeah. I don't remember what what's in what. They're so good. It just because it just it doesn't feel like a book. It just feels like the wave of yes. goodness. <laughs> and they're short. Yeah, but don't really read small. them for theological points. Right. Yeah, read yeah. them for like soul level, yeah. emotional level kind of change. So that's like maybe a theological, religious place to okay. start. Um, other places, of course, Brene Brown is out there all okay. the time. But we can get too much... For those much... who don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. Who is that? She's a social worker, so I like her. Okay. She also has a faith background, and she talks a lot about vulnerability, how we cover up vulnerability, how we deal with shame. Yeah. And she does... She takes even a lot of things that Henry Nouwen would say in a theological perspective and says it in a more secular perspective. Yeah. But she does have a faith background that really guides her worldview. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, I don't know her personally. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but there's everything from 10-minute TED Talk to hours of reading books right. kind of thing. Very yeah. first thing to do is go watch Brene Brown's TED Talks. Yeah. They take no time at all, and they'll give you a good laugh, and yeah. they'll challenge you. Um, other resources can be self-help books. But I think we need to remember, especially those of us in the world of faith, that self-help books are helpful. But... How how do we theologically look at some of that self-help stuff? Because I find that, for me, some of the most healing stuff um, is merging the two. Other places of psychoeducation can be, like I know my workplace, we have this like almost self-help resource that we can log into. And it does everything from a mindfulness prompt yeah. to reminders of how we can maybe even pick a theme for the day to try to pay attention to um, or how we're going to interact with people that day. Um, so there are lots of resources out there. I wish that churches, partly because this is what I want to do, but, yeah. um, but I wish that churches could take folks like me who have both backgrounds and say, I can run a class for six weeks and give you some tools okay. that I would give to somebody in a counseling perspective but I can give them generally. Like I don't need to, we don't need to sit and talk about you and your issues with maybe your family of origin. And then I can give you the tools to let go of some of those issues. I can just give you a handful of tools that you can then take and do some of your own work yeah. and maybe be in either a good couple close friendships or a small group yeah, yeah. where you can continue to process that. That's but great. You don't always need to have somebody apply it to specifically to your life. You can do that once you have the tools. Yeah. And those tools, like I said, I mean, you either have to read books, listen to podcasts, watch videos, see a, see a counselor, or the church needs to open up to say, we don't have enough knowledge about this, but there are people that do. Will you come in and not just give us some Bible passages, like don't worry too much. Yeah. You know, um, here's how we be good Christians about mental health. No, it's, actually have some tools that can help you figure out what you're worrying about yeah. and ask yourself those hard yeah, questions. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to worry, it... but how do I not worry? Right. Can you give me a tool to release these worries instead of just thinking I'm not supposed to. And I can geek yeah. out on telling you how the brain takes a worry, runs it yeah. through itself, and how it spits it back out. And I can tell you how to stop that. And then your brain will rebuild So you said that not for the that. church to learn from or to ask questions? To learn from, but I think churches need to... 
I think churches could be more creative in offering things like that to congregations for people that are ready to do the work but are like, eh, I don't really have the money because it's expensive to have therapy sometimes depending on insurance. I don't have the money for that and I don't really have any major issues to talk about but there are these things, these quirky things that keep coming up for me yeah. and I want to get to the bottom of it. Oh yeah, for me it was, um, I kept bringing up in a circle of people that I almost felt guilty doing inner work because I had not gone through any of the capital T trauma that I mm -hmm. was hearing and I almost felt like I wasn't, <clears throat> almost like I wasn't allowed to do inner work because it wasn't important enough compared to theirs mm -hmm. and I felt like it'd be almost this like pity party and then a friend of mine who's a counselor and he said you matter too and it was just like oh I'm allowed to look at what would be lowercase trauma and still it's real it matters it affected me maybe it wasn't one of those big things that people talk about as mm -hmm. like the when they say the word trauma those words that we that we tend to think of but they matter and I think that for me to have that um, that permission uh, as, as it's a good and healthy thing for me to pursue this was just so freeing and releasing for mm -hmm. uh, you know it, it was healthy just to hear it and to know that I was allowed um, all right so I want to transition to the topic of suicide and mm -hmm. suicide awareness because uh, this is you know obviously um, in our culture, growing thing. I, I on social media, I see people talk about we need to bring more awareness to this, and I see posts about if you're going through something, reach out to someone, talk to someone. You matter. We need you here. All those. So that's a growing thing. But I can you help me or help us understand how we can be a part of walking with someone that's going through that, or how we would even deal with it if we have those thoughts, because. What I don't, I don't want to just be a guy that likes a post about it. I want to go further than just, that's a good idea. Let me press the little heart and now I'm contributing to healing the world. Yeah. How do we bring healing in the world within this context of uh, suicide thoughts, tendencies, just awareness? How do we do this the right way? How do we, how do we help bring healing to ourselves in the world? Um, the first step is if we think that anyone, and we hear this all the time, a lot, or most you, people have heard hear. it. I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> I have to remember the circles I travel in. Um, a lot of people have heard this, though, who yeah. have traveled in sort of mental health circles. Of, yeah. When you think that someone might be there, even if they're not saying that they're there, you ask the questions of, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Um, or are you feeling, you know, have you had thoughts of suicide? Most people are pretty honest. Um, and those that aren't, just having the question posed to them so, puts a crack in that isolation that they've been in about it. So even if they tell you, no, I haven't, it's self-awareness of, I have, and it, it's time for me to talk to someone. Got it. Um, so you ask the questions if you think that someone's there. And worst case scenario is they say no. Maybe worst case actual scenario is they get mad at you for a little bit. <laughs> But it's worth it in that sense. And they won't stay mad at you. Um, the other thing is, what happens if they say yes? Yeah, what do <laughs> what you do? do? You, do? Um, you encourage them to get help. Um, you make sure, like, where are they in that scale? So when we think yeah. of that, we ask, do you have a plan is the next question. Okay. 
Um, have you gotten to the point of making a plan? Because that increases the risk, and yeah. then that's immediate response. They need to go to the hospital, a walk-in clinic. Um, they need to call a crisis number at that point that can do some safety planning and some brief crisis intervention with them. Do you know of a phone number? Um, I should, <laughs> because I work. 911? <laughs> in the world. Um, so... You can always call the sheriff's office. Okay. Which I know is silly, but they have the local crisis number. No, that's Daymark's good to know. office. Um, you can call them. Okay. You can also Google Boone Mental Health Crisis. Okay. Um, and then there are national crisis lines. Yeah. And you can call those. You can chat through text or email or yeah. online okay. now with those. Okay. So do something. And you can even do it with the person. It's probably better if someone does say, I am suicidal. You can make that call or go to that place. Go with them. Wow. Um, and if they say they have a plan, again, you're getting one of those things on, but stay with them yeah, until okay. something else has happened. If um, people are really interested in learning about it, there are a couple of organizations. VIA is one, and NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Okay. Um, Alliance or Association. But we have a local chapter, and both of them sometimes co-host these um, Mental Health 101 classes. Oh. And it gives you some t- some That's tools great. as like a Vaya first responder. V-A-Y-A. 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 It Vaya used to be Smoky Nami. Mountain Center, so you could type in Smoky Mountain Center. Okay. But it's called Mental Health 101 or Mental Health First Aid is what they call it. And um, those trainings are maybe like an hour or two uh, at a at a time you go once and it literally teaches you like think American Red Cross first aid what to do as like an immediate here's what we do all right ask questions ask if they have a plan immediate action steps with them if possible with that plan what about um um when it's more nuanced than that if it if they don't say yeah and there's just like a they feel a darkness. They feel sad. They haven't admitted to you if they want to hurt themselves, but you you think that there needs to be more than just, you doing okay? Yeah. Um, so this is where it gets a little bit sticky. But one thing is you can free yourself from it being your responsibility. If they're not, if they're in a dark place or you know they've been depressed a while and they're not getting help, you can't make them go get help. Right. And you can burn yourself out and also create a lot of animosity towards that person if you continue to push the issue. Yeah. So being present, consistent, but not doing their work for them. Yeah. That changes over when it becomes, you know, that they're suicidal or... And you go with them to the sheriff's office or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Or I would say it... You might need to do more if there's substance use involved, even if it's drinking and they're depressed or you know that okay. they've been suicidal. Because of, with the inhibitions lowered and people yeah. not thinking straight and that, yeah. even if they're not suicidal now, but they've just been depressed, they go out for a night of drinking, three beers is enough to lower their... it's a depressive their, Yeah, drug. it's a yeah. depressant. So Depressing, it lowers yeah. it enough. And then you might need to let someone know. If it's a college student, family needs to know because family's not here. Even if um, maybe that would break trust with, between friends kinds of things. If it's um, someone here, maybe family needs to know still. You know, Maybe yeah. it's a husband. Maybe yeah, I know it's going to be uncomfortable to bring your wife in, 
but we got to bring your wife or your partner in and mm. and talk about it um so it's it's just a matter of making sure that they have a safety plan and that safety plan is usually done by professionals but what it is is do you have someone to stay with you when you're in crisis do you have somebody who you will call will you call someone if you get to a place of feeling that low if they say no that's more problematic but if they say yes i promise to call or i promise to check in for the next week you know i'll text you every day and let you know where i'm at those kinds of things can be really helpful but you're not a professional and it can be way too stressful to do it on your own so you really need to be pushing them back to professionals and be making it clear to them I can't be your only like nobody yeah. can nobody has time for that or can take that yeah. pressure of being like I have to be no nobody can be on call 24 yeah. 7 no so who else do you have yeah, um, what coping great. skills are you gonna do when you start to feel depressed what can you do to distract yourself to change locations to reach out to five who are five people you can reach out to if you're feeling that way yeah I'm hoping that people are listening and maybe they're just taking notes so that they can be a helpful resource. But then also if there's someone listening that they just need to take these notes for their own action points. Because what I've, what I've learned you know, through life experiences and seeing um, losing friends from suicide, it, it, I've rarely ever seen it coming. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple times that, you, that I've said, oh yeah, they did seem down. And that's not really the norm for my mm-hmm. experiences. And so I think the more we can have these, these um, be there for each other, be there for ourselves, the inner work, and someone's listening and they just go, I have had these thoughts and I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, Google some of these things that Veronica said and start doing something she just said so that you can have, have a community around you. Because you know, there's one thing that I have learned from, um, I guess, I don't, I don't know how to word this, but like a, some evidence of love that I've seen even in the midst of tragedy mm-hmm. is when we lose someone you see how many people they actually had mm-hmm. to go and it for a lot of times it's a lot of people would have been there for them if they would have just had some sense of understanding of what's going on yeah. and I think a lot of times people think that they're alone because they look at their schedules they look at their life they look at who they have deep conversations and relationships with and it seems like the list is short mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that way Right. And so it's, I know it's helpful for, for me to hear some of these resources that I'm going to go back and listen to this so that I can take notes on the conversation. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about, and I, I realize as a licensed counselor, as a therapist, you're not allowed to talk about details with clients. Do you call mm-hmm. them clients? Clients, yeah. Yeah. Is, is it possible for you to, to talk a little bit about how you've dealt with, with a situation is that even allowed maybe you can if there's something that's not under the umbrella of efficient (laughs) official license stuff and just yeah um so i'm trying to think do you want me to go into an example of more serious mental illness or more general mental well-being and maybe just the one you thought of when i asked okay so um I used to work in the prison system, and so I saw some incredible folks in there, but also folks that had big T traumas and little T traumas. Um, Those little T traumas can pile up, too. And I learned, I was a new 
counselor then. And I learned so much about being present and holding ground with folks in that situation. And I do think that this is very important for serious or more uh, moderate to severe mental health issues. But even for our everyday mental health issues is, as a therapist, I see myself as the one that's to hold the ground. And by that, I mean, um, there's one individual that I had that would go down what I like to call like rabbit holes. A friend yeah. of mine used that term once and it, it's fit. Where we'd be talking about something and then suddenly he, he was off on these tangents and telling me about stories in the past and I weren't sure if they were present, future, yeah. if they were fears. Some of them had nothing to do with absolutely anything. Um, and I would, I, would, I would ask myself like, how did we get here? <laughs> And so I had a really wise um, supervisor say, well, the person is probably responding to some sort of trauma or some sort of block. And every time you get to that place, the rabbit hole is their safe zone. Defense it's how they yeah. learn to deal with it and cope with it. And he said, just stand you know, on solid ground for them until they come back up. So as, a, as a, a session is going on, I'm trying to figure out where is solid grounding and what is the block or the thing that, that people are afraid of. Um, and so often, it's not the thing that people are afraid of, it's they're afraid of feeling that emotion that they've tied to it. Okay. And so, in a sense, it's come up and stand here with me and I promise this emotion will not kill you. We can oh, go man. there yeah. and we can be there together. That's good. And that might be silence. That might be me letting them go down the path and then say, all right, come back on up. And then, I'm still here. Yes. And maybe the path gets shorter each time. Maybe yeah. the drop off, the tangent um, comes a little bit closer in every time. And we finally get to a place where we're standing side by side and saying, this emotion sucks, but it's not killing us. And there's healing in that. And suddenly that emotion, next time you meet it, is a little bit less scary. That's unbelievable. How is it? How is there healing in that? One, because most of us are afraid of feelings, and so there's healing in just realizing that feelings are not as scary as we think they are. Yeah. Um, and some of those negative feelings really have beauty attached to them. Now, I'm not talking about like serious trauma. Yeah. There's beauty and having to deal with that. Yeah. But some of them coming around to just say, this hurt and you hear it and I hear it, but that's not all that there is to my story. Yeah. And then yeah. there's this, what is my story? It has its proper place. Yeah. Instead of it being what the whole story is about, right? Right. And so this happened and it's part. Instead of this is who I am and right. I will forever be defeated by this. Yeah. Yeah. That's so what really is good. what is the rest of my story now? Yeah. What is um, how do I use this piece? Um, it's it's really awesome. I mean, it's an honor to sit with people and be given permission to hold that ground and also to call them back because sometimes in sessions that people aren't excited about me calling them back to the emotion. <laughs> right. uh. I thought I dealt with this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it ever again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we get to this mutual place where we're both just like, I think of like that yoga breath where you're just like, ah, <laughs> where they tell you to do that real audible breath. I don't think breath. I've ever done that. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> that, but with another person saying, yeah. there it goes. I think I get, I understand that <laughs> truth already, even though I, yeah. I've never heard that in the yoga tense, but that, 
yeah, I think I've chopped some wood or something. It felt a little bit like what you're saying. So let's try to, if it's possible, I mean, mental health is such a big issue, but is it that this podcast is all about trying to simplify a concept without mm-hmm. sacrificing depth. We've gone through some examples, got some helpful tools. Any, can you sum this up for us? <laughs> um, I would encourage people to seek out the psychoeducation that we talked about, um, you know, for churches to figure out how to weave that in because not everybody needs counseling, but we do need more spheres, like I said, in our world that's yeah. saying, how is it with your soul? Right. And we care enough to give you more than just prayer because Jesus cared to give us more than just prayer. Mm, that's um, good. and I don't know, take a risk and try to be open like twice, three times this week after you listen to this podcast, say that thing and maybe wish that you could reel it back in or as Brene Brown calls it a vulnerability hangover. Like <laughs> you're like, God, what did I just do? I'm never doing that again. That felt really bad. And then realize like, but I can do this again and this is good. And what's the fruit from it? And where do I need to go next? That's and then really watch other good. people around you start to do it too. That's really good. What a great practical idea. Scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha- Last question. <laughs> uh, should we should we be filtering who we do that with? Yes. How? What kind of filters do we use? How do we know? Well, we there's don't a difference really between know, but... too much information, yeah. like the TMI realm of somebody you first meet doesn't need to know everything about sure. your greatest hurt. Um, although there might be special times when something like that would happen yeah. because of a connection. But yeah. most of the time... Um, you don't need to lead with that. Most of the time, I would say lead with smaller vulnerabilities until it gets more comfortable. Oh, okay. But also, if it's been a relationship that's typically caused you harm, even if it's not major harm, maybe it's just somebody that is inconsistent and that hurts your feelings. Yeah. Or somebody that you've been wanting to be friends with, but they always seem to forget to call you to invite you to something. Yeah. Don't go there. So that, don't start with them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not a spouse or a partner. Okay. Um, because we already rely pretty heavily on them. So maybe us the anyway. friend that does go out of their way to call you, it includes you and you right. feel like they see you and love you. Right. Unless you're, you know, unless your relationship's in a healthy place where you can say, to somebody, do you think I should talk to somebody about this? I'm feeling this, okay. but I would suggest trying it with somebody other than that. Yeah. Um, to widen our circle. Yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you so much. Well, I don't know where to go. Maybe we're, maybe think maybe we're done because we could probably go. We should do another one on some specific yes. version of it all. <laughs> but just the phrase "mental health" is such an umbrella. Uh, so you know, if if some of you listening know Veronica, for those that you. That, that you don't know Veronica, but you live in Boone. If you see her, say hi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and if you don't see her, Google the things that she talked about and, and learn, do some psychoeducation. But thank you so much for helping helping us to learn. This is I know this is only step one towards so much more, hopefully, for many of us, but this has been really helpful just to have someone who's an expert in the field just be willing to give us some practical tips because oftentimes when someone's an expert it's like it's too lofty to feel like we can grasp anything and I know me listening to you I feel like I okay I get a few things now great place to start I'm gonna go for it and start those so thank you for your time this has been amazing you're welcome thanks yeah all right so uh next time um 
have, I, th- I think the next one is Aaron. We're going to, I'm going to talk to Aaron about uh, worship, but thanks for tuning in to concept 13 on mental health. You can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things.